Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So I wanted to talk this week about the general data protection regulation that you might have heard about. Oh, yeah. GDPR. Yeah. GDPR, are you ready? <laughs> oh. GDP, I am. Wait, that doesn't work both ways. <laughs> You're listening to Linear Digressions. Yeah, so I don't know about you, but as we're recording this, it's early June, so we're a f- a f- a about a week and a half post Katie, GDPR apocalypse. I, I'm sorry, I need to interrupt you just to to say you could have said, "Are EU ready?" Because it's European Union. Oh, EU! Oh, wow! Yeah. I think that would have been better. That's good stuff. Let's not start over. Um, <laughs> so yeah, th- this is going into eff- this went into effect in the EU. As you were saying, uh, yeah, May twenty fifth. So, if you're anything like me, you got about seven hundred emails from every service that you had ever forgotten that you signed up for, telling you that yeah. they were updating their privacy policy. The best one I got. I don't know if you have a best one you got, but the best one I got was from there, there's a there's an underwear startup called Me Undies, and they have a brilliant. Uh, PR team. I, I don't know who runs their Twitter account and sends out their emails, but they said, uh, hi, Ben, we know you've gotten a lot of these, so we'll keep ours brief. And I, I laughed out <laughs> loud. I actually laughed. Um, I confess that I read zero of them, so oh, maybe there were some were gems in there. Yeah, there were. Um, but uh, if you're a data scientist, this is maybe also something that you've been thinking about because it's most likely going to have some impact on the way that data science actually works compared to, you know, how it's been working up until now. So obviously we are not lawyers. Oh, we are God, nowhere no. close to lawyers. <laughs> uh, ever since I was a small child, my dad has told me that I'm allowed to do anything I want to do, but I'm not allowed to be a lawyer. So I'm, I'm, it's not even like I'm not a lawyer. I'm like, we have been trained to be the opposite of a lawyer here. Wow. So this is not legal advice in any way. Um, but we're going to, you know, try to chat a little bit about some of the, what all is in GDPR and why it's, why it's a big deal, especially for data scientists. Yeah. Um, I'll, I guess I'll share one thing to start, which is, uh, I was, so I was reading on a forum that I, that I follow and someone was posting about how, and so GDPR, the whole, the whole idea is to give everyone control of their personal data so they can decide whether they want a service to delete all of their data or not or whatever well everyone Um, who's an eu citizen so that's an important distinction yes definitely that's a good a good uh, clarification um uh but but this person posting was uh, is a software engineer and they were saying all of my entire professional career i have been trained to never actually delete something immediately. You know, if if you're going to delete something, then like back it up somewhere, mark it as deleted, and then let it get purged eventually. But then you have the ability to, when someone says, oh no, I didn't mean to do that, you can pull it back, right? Um, And so at least from the programming perspective, this kind of forces people to go against uh, what every fiber of their uh, professionally uh, catered being says to do and actually delete the thing immediately when, when you're told to delete it. So that's kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting thing. Yeah. And it's because the EU is taking, uh, you know, or they're nominally taking like 
privacy really seriously. And so the GDPR is this very large and complicated set of laws about what you what are like sort of a new set of requirements and standards for holding personal data and definitions of personal data. So in particular, this is thinking about individuals in mind. And it's worth noting that there's significant fines that are attached to being found not in compliance with GDPR. So the maximum fine, I believe, is something like 4% of your global revenues for a company. So if you're Google or Amazon, or a company like that, then this can be billions of dollars. And if you're a small company, it can still easily be in the tens of millions of dollars. So folks are taking this really seriously because there's huge implications that are attached to being found not in compliance, but it's so big and so complicated. And there's kind of a lot of questions around interpretation of some of these provisions um, that are making it so you know, people are spending just a lot of time trying to figure out what they need to be doing to be in compliance here. I do have to say, I really like that the fine is proportional to the size of the company or to to the amount of revenue of the company. Um, Because if you're running a tiny little business and you have like a thousand users or something and your revenue is, is tiny, it doesn't really like i mean you should obviously try to be in compliance with the regulation but if you mess up you're not going to be fined uh, you know something that's totally huge for you uh, as opposed to a company like google where that same fine would be very very tiny it reminds me of this law that i heard about and i think i think this was somewhere in europe it was in switzerland or sweden or something like this where they have progressive speeding tickets and stuff like that so if you're super rich and you get a speeding ticket, then it's going to be more than if you don't have very much money. And there was some story I heard about a guy who was, you know, doing 70 in a school zone and he was stupid rich and he got this like million dollar speeding ticket. Um, Nice. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. No, I have no uh, bad feelings saying awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah. So the general idea is that there's definitely a new set of definitions around what constitutes personal data. And as I understand it, and again, not a lawyer, uh, GDPR defines this rather vaguely, um, saying that personal data is anything that can be used to personally identify a, a natural person, so like a human being like you or me. And so this could be something like your name. It could be something like a unique ID number. It could be something like, well, we've talked about this in, in other episodes here, too. If you did something like looked at my browser history or a pattern of where my phone goes every day, um, these aren't necessarily tied directly to me, but you would be able to figure out who I was pretty quickly um, if, if you had those sorts of data sets. So there's a lot of data that gets collected by default or by default in sort of the old way of doing things that could be interpreted as personal uh, information. And what the EU says is that individuals have a lot of rights to their information, to what's done with it, to have access, to know who's, who's using it and what they're using it for, and to ask that it be deleted, and that companies have to comply with all of those requests if people um, ask that of them. 
Interesting. So I guess here's here's a question I'm a little terrified to ask because I don't really want to know if the answer is what I think it is. But let's say that you collect a bunch of data. Let's say you have a study, a medical study or I don't know, whatever, and you collect data on a thousand people. And then one of those people or five of those people say, actually, you know what, go ahead and delete my data. What does that mean about the efficacy of your study, especially if it's a long-running study? Uh, that's a really interesting question. And Given, I, uh, <laughs> Of course, I ask the non-lawyer <laughs> this. Yeah, well, and I think to some extent, well, so I think GDPR only kicks in above a certain a certain size, so I'm not sure that a thousand is actually big enough to trigger GDPR. I could be wrong about this, but I thought it was I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like five thousand or something. So, you know, if you're out collecting people's names for a bake sale or something like that, you know, and you have twenty five people on the list, the European Union is not going to come after you. Um, so there is a threshold above which they care, but the threshold is fairly low. And then the second thing is that if you're doing something like an academic study where you're collecting this information for strictly held research purposes, then there's probably already collection protocols in place that might be a lot tighter than, uh, in some cases, the GDPR, but they might be slightly different than GDPR protocols. So I just don't know if there's there might be academic carve-outs and those kinds of things. I'm not, I'm not sure. But an interesting question is... It's a slightly it's a slightly different phrasing, but it is one that I was reading about in some context over the last few weeks. And the question was, let's imagine you're a data scientist who's building a model using a bunch of a bunch of data on people. And one of the people who has their data in the data set that was used to train that model gets in touch with you and says, I'd like you to delete my data, please. Well, so first of all, you have to have a way of tracking down what their data is and, and deleting it and proving that you've deleted it. But mm -hmm. do you have to retrain the model? And the reason that you might say oh, yes is because, you know, there's kind of a record of that data in the model, in a sense. Um, but if you're a data scientist, that's a huge hassle to have to retrain a model. And so this is a little bit more of a thought experiment because it's the, the law is only 10 days old as we're recording this. So nobody's ever actually adjudicated this. But I think there's, you know, there's there's some reason to think that you wouldn't necessarily have to retrain a model as long as you had permission to use the data for that purpose at the time that you used it. So if someone if someone says, I'd like you to delete my data, and then you don't, and then you use it to build a model, that might be a bigger problem. But if at the time you built a model, it was okay, then like, maybe this is all right. But it's a really good question. And the main reason that I bring it up is to show how there's uh, these intricacies that we as data scientists don't necessarily have to think about on a day-to-day -day basis or haven't in the past, but that potentially we, uh, you know, will be an important job in the future. Wow, that's that's crazy. This is new ground. It's always interesting to see to see the um, interaction between legislation and science or technology especially given that the latter tends to move so much faster. And also there's a, a large risk uh, in, the, in the world of the former of misunderstanding the highly technical um, 
pieces. I'm not suggesting that that's what's happened here, but it is, it's just interesting to see the way that these two worlds, one that generally moves very slowly and one that generally moves very quickly, uh, interact. For sure, for sure. But there are some pieces of GDPR that I think are kind of interesting and where I think data scientists, uh, you know, there's some actually some interesting opportunities to push ourselves as a field, or it's going to give some encouragement to parts of the field that uh, I think are, are could use some encouraging. Um, so for instance, there are some provisions in GDPR about uh, bias in the models that you train, because they're worried about these models uh, introducing or reinforcing some of the biases that we've talked about in other episodes here. So there's provisions that say that you have to be able to prove that your models are not biased and they're not necessarily favoring or disfavoring certain groups over one another. So I think that's, um, I mean, it strikes me as a challenging thing to legislate. And of course, so much of this is in the interpretation that's going to get sort of hammered out in court cases over the years to come. But the general idea that, uh, you know, we are holding ourselves to some kind of standard that says that models probably shouldn't be racist. <laughs> that's not exactly what it says, but that's how I like to think of, you know, the general spirit here. Uh, that seems directionally correct. And then another one that I thought was interesting is that when there are models that are being used to make decisions about individuals that could affect those individuals' lives. So think things like there's algorithms that decide who to approve for a loan or how much to charge you for your car insurance or whatever that when those models are being used to make a decision about an individual, that that individual can ask for explanations from the model that says basically, Mm. why did you get the outcome that you got? Oh, that's interesting because a lot of the times you don't really know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these models are black boxy. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked a lot uh, on, on previous episodes about how, uh, it can be very difficult to know what's going on, and sometimes you actually have to go out of your way and use these other methodologies to to try to get even an imperfect uh, understanding of what's maybe happening inside of the model. Yeah, so I think that it's you know it's definitely a field of research that's been heating up recently, from from what I can tell, and I can't imagine that this would do anything except continue to encourage that. Which again, I think is I think isn't isn't necessarily a terrible thing that that's the mm-hmm. uh, the expectation or that's the standard here. So that's just a little bit of an introduction. We've talked about a few of the provisions here, but overall, I think it has 99 total. So there's tons of stuff in there that we're not even scratching the surface of. And So how like many s- podcasts are we going to record? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to, yes, an exhaustive review of yes. EU privacy law. Part um, one of 48. Yeah. Well, for the next year. <laughs> sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, I, and honestly, I'm not sure. Oh, well, of course we're not, we're not true experts in this by any means, but, uh, you know, the thing that's interesting right now is in a sense, nobody is, it's a little bit right. like, it's a little bit like Y2K or something. You sort of know what you think is going to happen, but everybody's just like waiting to see what actually happens. Although in this case, it isn't technical questions so much as it is about interpretation and like what happens when when people start suing each other basically um so who knows yeah but it's definitely going to be interesting and it's definitely going to be something that uh data scientists 
um, have already started to have to think about these things much more carefully than um, than this field has in the past. So before we finish up, I want to uh, issue a couple corrections already because I've <laughs> been skimming the Wikipedia page just to like validate the things that that we've been saying. Um, and that small business that I kind of made the example of, uh, yes, they wouldn't have to pay as much as a large business like Google, but the the minimum fine is depending on what the infringement is, uh, ten million or twenty million uh, euros, um, or up to two percent or four percent respectively of the annual worldwide turnover of the preceding financial year. In the case of enterprise, whichever is greater, so um, so there's a there's a floor on it. It won't go lower than ten or twenty million, but if it's if you're a sufficiently large organization, then it will grow with your size. Uh, and then the other thing on restrictions, uh, the Wikipedia page lists a couple cases that are not covered by the regulation, but just to read a couple of them, uh, there's things around lawful interception and national security, military, police, justice, and also statistical and scientific analysis and some others. So uh, if you're doing statistical and scientific analysis, then you're probably fine. Of course, statistical analysis for what? I'm not exactly sure. Um, so that would probably require some digging in the actual pages. Yep. So if you have detailed questions, don't send them our way. <laughs> don't email us. <laughs> Go talk to your data privacy officer or your lawyer. Uh, and we're just all going to go on this journey together. Linear digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.